are continuing the series Into the Future. And with this series today, we are talking about Into the Future with Courage. Now, when we talk about courageous people in the Bible, I'm sure many of us can name at least one person or name many people. But today we are focusing on the life of Peter, one of the 12 disciples, one of the apostles. And the reason why we're focusing on Peter is because his life and testimony goes beyond just having courage, but it talks about him being a rock. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. But Peter left all that he knew to discover a new life from a man that he never met. That takes courage. And in Matthew 4 and in Mark chapter 1, it gives us like a quick little snippet of how this came to be. But in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, it says, While Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, many people pushed to get near him. They wanted to hear the word of God. Jesus saw two boats on the shore. The fishermen were not there because they were washing their nets. Jesus got into a boat which belonged to Simon. Jesus asked him to push it out a little way from land. There's so many people pushing up and crowding Jesus that he had to hop on a boat just to be able to speak to them all. So then he sat down and taught the people from the, bo from the boat. This is Jesus. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, push out into the deep water, let down your nets for some fish. Simon said to him, teacher, we have worked all night and we have caught nothing. But because you told me to, I will let the net down. So this is Jesus talking to Simon, who, who we later find out his name is going to be changed to Peter. He's talking to Simon after teaching and, and saying a sermon to all these people. He instructs him to let down his net. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with this story, Simon is a professional fisherman. This, this, is, this is his job, his J-O-B. He knows what it means to fish, when's the right time to fish, and he was fishing all night long. So despite all that he knew, and despite everything of experience that he's had up until this point, he realizes that because Jesus told him to, that that's the right thing to do. Now when we're talking about identity, and we're going to get more into what this new identity is, when we talk about identity, his identity changed in that moment. And a lot of us just read it and skip over it. But notice how just from one encounter with Jesus, giving the word of God to the people, Simon now establishes himself by saying and calling Jesus teacher. And teacher back then was a very honorable profession. I mean, it still is, but teachers today don't get treated with such honor. Am I right? Meanwhile, back then, to call somebody a teacher meant that they had wisdom, somebody that you wanted to learn from. And remember, he's just a fisherman. Yet his identity changed without him even knowing it by establishing the fact that because this teacher gave me an instruction, I shall listen. So he goes out. He says, teacher, we have worked all night and we have caught nothing. But because you told me so, I would let the net down. When they had done this, they caught so many fish, their net started to break. They called to their friends working on the other boat to come and help them. They came, and both boats were so full of fish, they began to sink. So going back to what Miss Teresa was saying, from Malachi, when you trust God, when you try it God's way, the window of heaven opens up, and you are given such an abundance that there is no room to store it for yourself. Peter, or Simon, 
knowing his ways as a fisherman, he was already washing his nets. That means he hung his hat for the day. He was done. Like he already, you know what, I've been fishing all night. It's time for me to go. But because the teacher told him to do so, and he said, yes, because you have told me so, look at the abundance that he received. Exactly. So uh, when Simon Peter saw it, he got down at the feet of Jesus. He said, go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. He and all those with him were surprised and wondered about the many fish. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were surprised also. These are other fishermen. They were working together with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. And when they came to land with their boats, they left everything and followed Jesus. So we have two moments of understanding where Simon's identity has been changed. First, by calling Jesus teacher. Because in order for him to call him a teacher, that means that he understood that he can be a student and he can learn something from him. Then we see, once he received the blessing from God, he said, Lord, get away from me. I am a sinful man. That's him looking back at his old self. And Jesus reminds him, no, now from this moment on, you will no longer be a fisherman, but you will be a fisher of men. His identity was changed twice in just one encounter. One from a point of how he can learn from Jesus, and the other point of identity that was changed is you are no longer a sinful man. You are one that will now gather other men for my name and my glory. So this takes courage. And when, and, and when we see Simon that is now called Peter take on this new identity, what does this mean for his life? Because he left everything that he knew to go and be with the Lord. So my first question is, do you have the courage to accept this new identity? Do you have the courage to accept a new identity? Peter not only received that new identity from Jesus from discuss, discussing his profession, but we also see the name change that I've been alluding to. I keep calling him Peter, but in, in, in Mark and Luke and Matthew, he, he was called Simon. So we see in John chapter 1, verse 42, that Jesus declares that his new name shall be Peter, or in the Hebrew, Cephas. And that name means rock. Because the name Simon means listening or hearing. That was his old self. He was always someone listening and hearing. So when you said his name, that's what you were proclaiming. Yet Jesus declares that his new name shall be Peter, which translated means rock. Now, I know that doesn't sound exciting. That doesn't really sound profound and deep. Like, who wants to be called rock? Like, that sounds so weird and basic. But what was Jesus trying to convey with this new declaration of who he is? And by the way, if you don't know, names are important. What you name your child is important because it is a declaration of who that person is to be. And my wife and I have seen some people name their kids things. It's like, are you sure? Like, just look it up. Look up what the name means. Like, if you name your child to be rebellious, what do you expect? And that's the power of names. That's the power of the tongue. There is life and death in the tongue. So when you name your child, for those of you who are looking to have children or are, gonna, are expecting soon, it is so important that you look up the name and what it means because you are bestowing upon them an identity. More than just what the name is, what does the name mean? And we see it all over the Bible where there's name changes all the time. And this is an example of it. 
So when Jesus is referring to the rock, we're going to go to Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. And it says, whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain came down, the water came up, the wind blew and hit the house. The house did not fall because it was built on rock. Whoever hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the, 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 the water came up, the wind blew and hit the house. The house fell and broke apart. So we see that Jesus equates a rock or a stone to being strong, firm, steadfast, faithful, reliable, a source of good building material. And as we, as we see Peter's new identity, we see later in Peter 1, or 1 Peter chapter 2, we see his perspective of Jesus as the most important stone and says how we should come to him as living stones for ourselves. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 7, it says, Come to Christ as to a living stone. Men have put him aside, but he was chosen by God and is of great worth in the sight of God. You are to be as a living stone in the building God is making. That's a verb. That's not past tense. That means he is still making. We are to come as living stones in the building God is making also. You are his religious leaders, giving yourselves to God through Jesus Christ. This kind of gift, gift pleases God. The holy writings say, see, I lay down in Jerusalem a stone of great worth, far more than any amount of money, Anyone who puts his trust in him will not be ashamed. This stone is of great worth to you who have your trust in him. But to those who have not put their trust in him, the holy writings say, the stone which the workmen put aside has become the most important part of the building. So as believers, looking into the year of 2024, we're calling it the year of more. It's a nice saying. It's a nice little slogan that we've come up with. 2024, the year of more. A lot of people have adopted it. We haven't created it. But in the year of more, it's not just about receiving more. It's not just about how we increase financially or in our health or in our, in our wisdom. It is about increasing in what it is that we do. Now, when we talk about increasing in what we do, it's not that we're doing more so that we could get more, because that's the wrong heart. We don't do things expecting of a return. It's the wrong heart. It benefits you nothing to do so. And when we talk about how the year of more and we have to do more, it's not because God's holding anything back from us. So when God sees us doing more, he's going to give us more, because that's also the wrong heart. That's not... That's, a, that's, a, that's you operating on works. That's transactional. It's not how God operates. God looks at the heart and the purpose behind it. But what we're talking about in the year of more is the quality of which you do more. Because what once worked last year or the year before or years prior is no longer good enough today. Pastor Jose alluded to this in a couple of sermons ago where he was saying an infant 20 years from now isn't still an infant. We are all meant to grow, and what once sustained us back then is no longer good enough. So it is up to us to increase in the measure of quality that we spend with God, not just quantity. Not, okay, I used to read my Bible one time every day. Now I'm going to read it twice a day. It does you no good if it's not done with quality and with purpose. What is the purpose of your heart this year? What is the vision that God has for you? Not the vision that you want, because everybody has their own goals and their own ways. 
But God's ways are higher than our ways, and his understanding is above and beyond whatever we could ask or think. So it is up to us to be courageous in this new identity and to take courage as today is a day, today is an opportunity for us to expand upon what God has already done in our lives. It is so important. In Matthew 6.33, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seeking God above all else, that is the heart that we should have as people. As a living stone to build and develop the house that he is currently making is to abound in his work. And in 2 Peter verse 1 through 3, it says, God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. But it's all based on our understanding and knowledge of him. This is a verse that I've said pretty much every time that I preach. And the reason why is because it's a, such a foundational thought. That when you become a believer, you are equipped with all that you need. But the way that you increase is by increasing in your knowledge and understanding. So, this is going to be what we build upon in this message. Is, okay, do we have this new identity? Do we have the courage to accept this new identity? And if we are going to live as living stones, which remember is to be reliable, to be faithful, to be steadfast, to be strong, to stand firm. God is using us to build his kingdom. So this brings me to my second point, which says, what stage of construction are you in? So I myself, I'm not working full time at the church yet. I know that day is coming, but I work in construction. So today we're, I'm going to give you like the basic basic step-by-step step on how you build a house, but we're going to equate this to during our walk as Christians, what stage of the home building process are we at? Because in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 through 4, it says, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. So as Christians, there are different stages in our walk of life that relate to construction. And firstly, you start with the foundation. Now, yes, there's plans and blueprints and you got all these things you got to do like permits and talk to a planning board. Forget all that. We're sticking to the simple stuff. So foundation. So a foundation, this is a Christian who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and has begun the process of understanding how they are a new creation. That's just the foundation. That's step one. But in when you're actually building a house and you do a foundation, you have to realize also that this is the step where the utilities are brought to the property. So your water, your electric, your sewer, gas if you have it. This is when you are tapped into the source that is going to make this house come to life. So the foundation is just the beginning as a Christian and we're not meant to stay there because you can't just live in a foundation. Then comes the framing. So the framing, this is a Christian who has begun to learn more about who they are with Jesus and their life begins to take shape. How many of you have ever driven past a house that was being built? And when you see those sticks go up, all of a sudden you start to get a sense of what it's going to look like. As Christians, that's what our life is like when we start to, okay, I've accepted Christ. Now I need to learn about who I'm supposed to be. Which brings us to the next step, which is sheathing. Now, some of you may not know what this is. Sheathing is when they put the plywood over the framing, over the roof. This is what protects the inside of the house from all the elements. This is what keeps the water and the storms. The storms that used to affect your life, when you start the sheathing process, now those storms that used to affect you no longer have any effect because now you are protecting 
this thing that is being built. Which brings me to the siding and roofing. This is the Christian that people notice something different about them on the outside. This is when your life has been changing so much on the inside that now it's starting to come out of you. And how many of you have ever driven past a house and you see the siding going up? Most of the time you're like, okay, yeah, I see it. Like it looks nice. But then sometimes people pick some colors and I don't know. Like there's this new trend. I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's a new trend. I don't know why. But now everybody's painting their houses black. Solid black. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like the Adams family to me. Like I don't like it. I don't know. It's, it's a tough one to get behind. There's, there's some houses where they do the tones of black, so they do like the gray and then the black, and then it looks nice like that. But when it's just monotone black, and then for whatever reason, I've seen there's three houses that now do the all black with the red door. It just looks, looks like Amityville horror to me. It's like, why? Why are you doing that? But anyway, back to this. Then you get into the MEPs, which is mechanical, electrical, electrical and plumbing, which mechanical is really just how you heat and cool the house. In construction, we call this invisible progress. Because for people who don't understand construction or, like, know what's happening, when they come into the house that has, like, you've seen the framing, you've seen the siding, like, you've seen the progress. Now you've got the guys putting the wires and the boxes and the pipes in the wall, and they're getting ready to put the heating and everything. You walk around, and you're like, this looks the same as a month ago. Like, some of you may be looking at the picture behind me wondering, what's different? Like, I just see walls. I don't see anything. The MEPs is the invisible progress. This is the progress that as a Christian from within, we start to form how this house is going to operate. We start to establish the habits and systems that we are now going to live in from this point moving forward. But there's no outlet yet, meaning there's nothing that is giving out what is now being built inside. MEPs is just the rough end process. And then we see insulation. Now, insulation is when a Christian has started to envelop the inside of the house. And the insulation protects from that which is unseen. Now, a lot of people think that insulation stops the heat and the, and the cold from outside from coming in, which is not really true. It does that, but the main purpose of the insulation is to keep the temperature inside the house. To maintain what is happening on the inside. This is where we protect our hearts from attacks against the spirit. This is when we start to equip ourselves and envelop ourselves so that we can guard our hearts from that which we are learning and, and gaining from God. Because we don't want it to be wasted and, and, and leaking out. We need to first love ourselves and first get to know the word for ourselves before we could ever start pouring out into other people. Now, this doesn't mean that because you're at this stage that you can't share the good news and share who God is. It's not what I'm saying. But as you sow seed, so you reap in a harvest. And in the beginning stages, the harvest that you may be getting in the beginning aren't going to be the same as the harvest that you get years later. So it is up to us to protect ourselves, to insulate ourselves from things that are unseen, meaning attacks against our spirit. Then we start to get into the finishes. Then we start getting into the drywall, paint, the flooring, and the trim. This, as a Christian, is someone who's been transformed not just on the outside, but their lives have changed internally. They are living and actively pursuing righteousness. This is someone that now people can enter the home that you have been building, and they can actually see what it's going to look like. But you can't entertain just yet. Because you got drywalls, you got paint, you got trim, but where's the furniture? Where's the refrigerator? What are you cooking for dinner? Like, this is just the beginning stages of what it means to start pouring out into other people. Then you get into the cabinets, the plumbing, the fixtures, and the furniture and decor. 
This is now what makes your life inviting for others. As a Christian, this is when you start to pour into people and more than any leader has ever done, you can now start to give the word and, and, and show what the spirit has done for you. And then you have Proverbs 24 that goes along with this where through knowledge and through understanding, the home is filled with precious valuables. As a Christian, as we learn and glean from God and we gain understanding, we see this house being built. But the house is never complete. Nobody's perfect. I'll be the first one to say it. I'm not perfect. And even though the house is now furnished and you're living in it, you're, you're inviting people over, you are still living, maintaining, and occasionally renovating the home. Because if you lived in a home long enough, what you first moved into 15, 20 years ago, the times change and you start to feel like it's outdated. So now you want to like freshen things up and make it lively. Our lives with Christ will never reach a plateau where it's, okay, I've arrived. I'm now perfect. There's nothing else I got to do. There is always something more to learn. There is always more to do. The Bible itself says that as we come to God as living stones to be used in the building that he is making, we will never be complete. The work is not done until we get to heaven. But we're not going to wait till we get there. We start building now, right? So moving forward, we must be courageous. Be courageous moving forward. We talked about us being a rock, being firm, strong, and steadfast, reliable. And Peter went on carrying out the gospel as instructed by Jesus. He ventured to many cities and countries, some where he was welcomed and others not so much. Even in the towns that he knew and was already known at, he saw some animosity and some strife against him because he was a follower of Jesus. And Peter himself was not perfect by any means, for those of you who know or don't know. Peter was not perfect by any means. There were times where he denied Christ. Yet, yet, his firm and steadfast faith is what led him to be one of the disciples, to carry on the message of good faith as instructed. And we see in Acts chapter 4, verse 8 through 12, a moment where the disciples healed a crippled man on a Sabbath day. Now, this is works that Jesus had already done prior, but now Jesus died, rose again, and then went back to heaven again. So now the disciples are going out and spreading this good news of who he is. So we see in this verse that we're about to read the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the, the law keepers, bring in the disciples who healed this man, and they start to question him. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 8 through 12, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the power, the, by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. This is an open trial. They're in court right now in front of all the people being judged and criticized for healing a man. So Peter's looking at them like, you mean to tell me we did all this because I healed somebody? Because this man was healed in the name of Jesus? That's why we're here today. Like it seems ridiculous to them. But the, the elders and the rulers had evil intentions behind this. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the keystone in holding up the foundation. It is where all of the weight is bearing at one point. Yet, like this verse says, the religious leaders and elders who thought they knew more rejected this stone. So there is salvation in no one else, 
God has given no name under heaven by which we must be saved. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 16 through 22, it says, What should we do with these men, they ask each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. This is my favorite part of this story. Because the disciples were so courageous, so on fire for God in everything that they did, that they didn't know what to do with them. Imagine us as a people in the city of Newburgh and beyond doing these acts of service, going out into the streets and proclaiming the name of God to the point where it's disrupting the worldly activities to the point where they have to say, what are we going to do with these people? Imagine a life where we as Christians outside of these four walls, we already do it, but imagine if we did it even better, even more of what we've already done these past years. This is 10 years now that this church has been open, and this whole Into the Future is about the next 10 years. Imagine the next 10 years of us as a people so on fire, doing more above and beyond than we've already done, that they get lost in it and say, what are we supposed to do with these people? That they have no choice but to hear and accept the good news because all of Jerusalem in the Bible has already seen it and they already know it for themselves. Imagine a life where the Christian people are actually the leaders that they are called to be. And we are out in this world to the point where they don't even know what to do but just listen. It's a powerful message. They were so upset. They said, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further. That's disrespectful. They called it propaganda. We must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. In the year of 2024, it is up to us to do more. And like I said before, we're not doing more so that we can receive more. We are doing more because that's what God has called us to do. What part of the construction are you at internally? And guess what? You are not alone. And nobody's better than anybody because we're at different stages of life. Some people have not been fortunate to be born and raised in church their entire lives where they, all they knew was God. Some of you in this room may, have not, may, have, may not have discovered God until you were already an adult. But guess what? There is nothing like the present. The past and who you once were has no effect on where you are going. Remember this, Peter, a professional fisherman who had fished all night and saw no results Washing his nets, symbolizing, I'm done for the day. When the teacher instructed him to cast his nets, he received so much that two boats worth of fish. Actually, it was more than two boats because they were almost sinking. That is the measure of which a return was given back to them. And I say this to say, I'm not just saying this to make you feel good and get you excited about receiving more. I'm saying this because that's what happens when we put our trust in God. That is what happens when we become a living stone. When we seek God first and live righteously, when we abound in the work that the Lord has given us, we have more than enough for everything that we need. So much so that we run out of room to store it and we must give it to others and spread the name. That is what we are called to do and that is us moving forward in courage. 
We are not meant to live this life alone. That's why we gather today in this room for people with like-minded faith to gather so that we can not only connect with one each other, but to abound in the work that the Lord has done. We do so many different volunteering services that it's, it's to say that you don't have an opportunity to serve is a lie. And not only here, there are other churches in the community that does things also. But get where we're at in, in this year where our pastors are leading us and trying to show us this year that it is time for us to do more as a people. It is time for us to be the light that we are meant and called to be, to be a stone, to be a foundation in this community. Someone that when the people look for help, they say, oh, we know where to go, church at the bridge. And get this, when we look at the disciples' lives too, they, they got to such a point. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had gone back to heaven. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were gathering and breaking bread daily, going to each other's homes to the point where they were selling needs or selling their possession for other people's needs. They were, they were equipping themselves within the house to such a point that their relationships were so strong that the outsiders looking in said, I want that. And they added to their numbers daily. Now, I don't say this because we're looking to increase the congregation of the church. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Us as living stones building a foundation in this house for like-minded belief and acts of service. That in the year of 2024, we have the opportunity to not just do more, but of better quality. To be better than we have ever been as a church. That is our opportunity this year, every day. Today, tomorrow, the day after that, every day is an opportunity to spread this gospel and to love somebody. And we were talking about this in the, in the Connect group two weeks ago. We were talking about how sometimes as people we get uncomfortable sharing this message of God because we look at the things that we've seen ourselves do. We know our mess up, we know our flaws, and we think we're not good enough to share this message. Meanwhile, you look at the 12 that started this whole thing with Jesus. Those men were not perfect. You had tax collectors and fishermen, people who didn't really know anything about God, that through their faithfulness and their heart, look where we are today, where this relationship with God has spread globally from the acts of just 12 people. So don't look at this church and don't look at the people here and think, oh, well, what could we do? We're already doing it. 10 years and the numbers have increased in every facet of what we've done between our volunteers, the people that we serve, the community outreach, the other ministries that we've impacted, not just from this house, but from other people gathering together to the point where our pastors are invited to go to other states to teach and show others what it is that we're doing and how we've gotten this success. And this isn't about bragging because this isn't the Pastor Jose and Pastor Annette show because it took a people of gathering together to get to this point. Look what God has been able to do already through our works and through our actions. And it's not that because of our works we can boast and say, look at Church of the Bridge, we're the, we're the all-stars. No, it is because people have a heart to serve God. And this brings me to my last verse, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is my personal New Year's resolution. And I don't like saying resolution, but it's so that everybody knows what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's a daily goal to abound in the Lord's work. 
Now that sounds really fancy, but what that really means is how could I do something that has been commissioned by God? Loving God and loving people. Okay, how can I love God? By spending time in my word, by getting to know who he is, by praying and talking, communicating with him, building up my relationship with the Father is how I abound in the Lord's work of loving God. Okay, how can I love people? By serving, by talking, by communicating, by being a support, by being an ear, by being a voice of reason, pointing back to the word for someone who needs it, being there, not just understanding what I need and the things that I want, but looking to fulfill the needs of others. This is a goal that I have established for myself personally. And the reason why I say that is because as I mentioned before, I'm not working at the church full time yet. I know it's coming, but I'm not there yet. And my perspective up until this year has always been, okay, I work in construction and what I do at the church is like my second full time job, which is a wrong way of thinking because this isn't my second job. If, if, If this is who I am and this is my identity as a Christian, this is my only job. So I say this not to brag about myself, but in order for me to be able to give the message, it has to be something that I have learned for myself. If not, it's just empty words and I'm just giving people instructions that I myself ain't doing. And that's a hypocrite. I don't want to be that way. So I, I share this message today because this is something that has been challenging me for a lot longer than just the new year, but I've established, especially because of circumstances that in the new year, moving forward, this is now just who I am. Yes, I work in construction, but that's not my first job. My first job is the Lord's work and abounding in that work. And with that, I challenge you all. How is it that you can abound in God's work? This doesn't mean that you have to give up everything, sell your house, sell your car, get rid of your cell phone, delete all social media, become a Mormon or a nun or something, and like live super religious. That's not what this means. It doesn't require this major act of spiritual like freedom that you're going to, no. It doesn't have to be all crazy like that. What simple things could we be doing, establishing good habits and building upon this foundation of faith? What simple things could we be doing daily that would help us abound in the Lord's work. Because remember, when you abound in the Lord's work, it is not done in vain. We're not doing these works so that we can boast and say, look what I did, and because I did this and because I did that, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. No, that's the wrong heart. We abound in the Lord's work for the advancement of the kingdom, to be a living stone for the purpose of benefiting not just ourselves, but all those who come into contact with this house. So I challenge you to think about this. Every day is a daily sacrifice. There are things that we all, including myself, things that I've already done, and I know there's a lot more things that I have to cut out of my life so that I have room to abound in the works of the Lord. But for yourselves, what are the things that you know you must get rid of? And the reason why I say this is not because, okay, I got to fix myself so that I can be blessed and I can be righteous. No, because that's, again, Jesus already did that. If you are... Uh, If you are saved, if you have proclaimed and you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, guess what? You are forgiven of all sin. Now, does that mean that you have a license to go do whatever you want? No, because it doesn't benefit you anything. If you do that, then you're you're living a two-faced life. It's being lukewarm. You can't say I'm on fire for God, and then every Friday night you're going out to the club. That don't work. It it doesn't work. And if that's what you're doing, no judgment, but how's that working out for you? 
we're talking about abounding in the work of the Lord. And that means that there are certain things that you have to remove from your life in order for you to abound. To abound means that you are so proficient at it that it, that it goes above and beyond just standard practices. That you do it with such an excellence, such a diligence, that it affects other parts of your life. So as stones, as someone who's going to be strong, to be firm, to be steadfast, to be reliable, a source of good building material, you have to prepare your heart for this. And I said it first service, but I'm going to say it way nicer this service because I said it very mean first service. Not everybody is going to do this, and I understand that. Although many of us are listening to this like, yeah, I want that, I want that, I want that. It takes time of hearing before we actually start doing I have been fortunate enough to be born and raised in church where I have been a pastor's kid my whole life, and I'm just doing this now. So get this. Like, this is not something that, okay, I flipped a switch. I'm ready to go. If you're able to do that, God bless you. But this is something that over time I have realized that I've been saying I've been doing these things, but I really haven't because I've let my own heart and my own desires get in the way, but I keep saying, oh, yeah, but God wants me to do it. I'm doing it with God. God's doing it. And meanwhile, I'm like trying to be two steps ahead of God doing it for him. To abound in God's work is to let go of who you are and what it is that you want to do. To let go of the needs and the things that you think you have to do. This is about what God has already done. And just living in that. And that's so hard. That is so hard. I'll say it firsthand. That is so hard. To let go of control not Jesus take the wheel to the point you're doing nothing, but like to let go of God. I know I need these things and I know like if it doesn't happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. But just trusting that it's already taken care of, that's hard. That is not easy. That is something that takes time and development. But if you don't try, you'll never get to a point where it starts to happen. The seeds that you sow today will be the harvest that you reap later on. So up until this point, you have to evaluate for yourselves what seeds have I been planting? Have they been good seeds? Because if you, if you sow bad seeds, you're going to get a bad harvest also. It works the same way in reverse. What seeds have you been sowing? Because those seeds are the harvest that you can expect to receive in return. So let's rise to our feet. I thank you all for coming today and allowing me the honor and privilege to speak this word and to give you this message that has been prepared and, and a, a lesson from my life. And it is such a blessing to be able to say these things because it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys, have, I'm sure people have heard this saying where like when you let it out, it becomes like a burden off yourself. That's what this feels like to me. This is me telling you the things that I have learned and hoping that it benefits you, which it seems like it's benefited some of you here today. And for those of you online who are hearing this message today or later on, bless you. And I hope that this word sees you well and that it becomes a, a, a teachable moment that can project you for the next year of 2024. To project you forward, to give you opportunities for growth, to give you opportunities to be a light that you have been called to be. Every single person in this room, you may not, you may not be the person that's going to come up here and give the sermon. But your sermons that you do give is by your actions and by your example. One of, my, one of my, uh, my dad's favorite sayings, I forget where it came from, is preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. It's one of my dad's favorite sayings. And, it, and it's so true and it's so impactful that if we're going to be living stones, think about that. A living stone. How many of you have ever seen a stone move on its own? 
To be a living stone means you are planted and rooted. You are steadfast and firm exactly where God calls you to be. And you don't move from that point. You stay in your lane. To be living stones for God is what we are called to be. How many of you have the courage to take that step? So we're going to pray and we're going to close out. But before we do that, we're going to give an opportunity today for those of you who may not be saved yet. But those of you who want this life that God has for you, those of you who have never proclaimed or have never set up until this point that Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, and I want to become a new creation in your eyes. I want to be blessed and made clean, have a new slate, wiped clean for a new start, that I may be a saint, that I may be made righteous, Lord, to be made perfect in your eyes. For those of you who have never said that prayer today, today is your opportunity. So we're all going to pray this together. Please repeat after me. Lord, I thank you for your sacrifice. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me and rose again so that I may live. I thank you that we are a new creation for your works and to abound. Lord, I love you and thank you for this new life. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.